Welcome to the Point Church Teaching Podcast. I'm Corey Ickes, one of the pastors here at Point Church in Fort Liberty. We seek to exalt Jesus and equip the saints through expositional preaching and teaching. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted from this week's teaching. Hey, if you would, turn in your copy of the scriptures to Matthew 19. That's where we'll be today. Good morning. It's so good to be here. Uh, Excuse me if I sound a little bit like a toad. Um, I feel like I may have swallowed one, Uh, but uh, y'all just bear with me a little bit. But Matthew 19, looking at uh, Jesus and his call to the children. And uh, I just want to welcome anybody that's new. Um, we're glad you're here. You're, you're coming in at a, at, a, at a beautiful time. If this is the first time, second time, this is an opportunity for us in the beginning of the year where we like to set and kind of recast vision. Uh, we're a church that experiences a lot, of, uh, a lot of turnover and a lot of new folks at different times. And so we like to convey who, what we're about uh, as, the, as a church of Jesus and uh, and so uh, our mission statement, it, it goes, it's very simple, and it goes like this. Uh, we seek to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples, right? And so last week we covered being disciples, talking about how Jesus called out and said, come to me and drink, right? And, and this week we're looking at the second half of this mission statement, which is to make disciples. And as I shared just a second ago, it is for specific to making disciples of children, and so, <clears throat> there's a threat here that when you hear that, maybe if you feel that you are at some proficiency or maybe you, you're an empty nester or you don't have kids yet, there, there's a threat that like we could kind of tune out, right? But I'm, I'm encouraging you to press in. Press in. Because see, this vision is certainly in, in first, of first importance for parents but I need you to understand that right close second behind parents is the community of God, the church. And so we, we're going to be kind of looking at those two, uh, the, the responsibility and the call on our lives within those two veins. Um, so, as I said, we, we want to expand. We want to see our kids' ministry flourish. And, and right now, it's, it's only... We've got some targeted things for youth, and then they're integrated into our missional communities. We have some targeted discipleship stuff for our, for our preschoolers through six. Uh, but right now, our school-age guys, there's nothing targeted. There's not any one particular discipleship uh, initiative that, that we have focused in on, and primarily because of just a, a shortage of volunteers. Uh, there's, there's been quite a bit of turnover, I think, um, in the dawn of Point Church, where Missy might be like number five of child uh, children's ministry director. So I mean, it's just some like hard to get traction, right? And and that's okay. And we're not there's there's not any uh, you know casting aspersions or anything. However, as one of your pastors, there's just this weight and this sense of urgency that we can't afford not to. Right? We can't afford any longer to go and not be serious about a targeted discipleship initiative for our children. 
And, you know, we came to that same conclusion with adults. And so in coming into last year, that was a big push where it was like, hey, there was some stuff happening that was good and it was isolated. It was here and it was there. But it was like, man, as a church, as one of your pastors, as a pastoral team, we were just looking out across the landscape going, God gives us this congregation to steward from anywhere from one to three years. And we can't afford to not be mobilizing formally people into discipleship. And so that same kind of light bulb has gone off for us regarding children. Because here's the reality. The moment that, that we assume, right, that, that our kids are like they're going to be okay, right, the, the, the realities of the world, the, the constant bombardment that they're receiving of, of agenda and issues and ideas that are antithetical to Jesus, right, and I'm, I mean, I'm talking about, yes, absurd in schools. You name the flavor of school, it's there. But it's television, it's the, it's the 24-7 entertainment and internet access that is absolutely bombarding our children. And if there's ever a point in which we just kind of assume that they're going to figure out and default to navigating those things in a way that's biblically faithful, we lose. We lose. Pastor Kevin shared this statistic with me, and it's probably potentially higher, but the reality of our younger generation is that, uh, that like kids in church, like upon graduation, high school graduation, that 85% of them leave the church as they go to college. 85%. I mean, that's like, we're not flirting with half, we're flirting with a hundred. We, we can't assume, and we just, we can't be haphazard. You see, we're losing our children, and I say we as the church, as, uh, as evangelicals, as Christians, we're, we're losing our children to the discipleship program of the world. I saw a brief little, it was like a teaser of an article on the Gospel Coalition, and it was actually, it's a young writer, like a high schooler, and she was writing about how when she was a freshman in high school, a lot of her friends were a part of the youth group, and they were doing their thing, and by the time, now she's a senior, and, and most of them have kind of decided already prior to graduation that they're moving on. You see, we're losing our kids to the discipleship of the world. It reminds me of a story I heard very recently from a young teacher, um, and it was about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a phenomenal scholar, theologian. He was a, a trainer of pastors. He was a pastor himself in Germany. He grew up in a fluent uh, home. His dad, I think, was a doctor. He decided that he was going to, to learn theology, and, and so he aspired to that and, 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 and excelled. He, he, he excelled uh, and became top of his class. He was a scholar. He was a professor. Uh, And then the Nazi regime took over. And essentially with that taking over in the early days, basically the church kind of just coalesced and became kind of a state church. Essentially just, hey, we're not going to, we're kind of kind of rubber stamp whatever the regime asks us to rubber stamp. And Bonhoeffer in his discernment by the Holy Spirit saw it coming, although a lot hadn't necessarily happened in that moment. And he says, I'm not going to stand for this. And he went and he left his affluence. He left 
his office and his tenure and all of those things. And he went to start a pastoral training school out in the middle of nowhere, Germany. Basically to be forgotten and pour the gospel into young pastors. And a friend of his who grew up with him and, and kind of realized the, the career suicide that he uh, had embarked on basically said, hey, I'm going to go visit him and plead with him to come back. So that's what he did. He showed up. Hey, Bonhoeffer, listen, uh, I hear you. I feel you. I understand. But like, it's not so bad. Diedrich, it's, it's like, okay, it's not, you know, it's not as bad as you think. Uh, and like, you're kinda, you've kind of like given up your life for nothing. Bonhoeffer, with few words, basically got him into a rowboat, and they rowed across this little pond, lake, and over, they walk over a knoll, and he points, and there's a Nazi military training facility, and Bonhoeffer just looks, and he points at that. He says, our program, our training program has to be better than theirs. See, Bonhoeffer understood the weight of what was at stake within the culture. And that maybe he was just reading the tea leaves, maybe he was over-responding, but he understood there was at some point there was going to have to be a deal where the church got serious about training this next generation. And so I would just say to you, as, as we kind of enter into this time uh, of, of preaching from the Word, our training program at Point Church, and, and I would say beyond Point Church, but specifically at Point Church, it must be more powerful. It must be more uh, effective. It must be more weighty. It must be more uh, influential to our children, to our youth, than the program of the world. And we don't get there on accident. What we're going to see today is that we don't get there without first having the heart of Jesus. We must have the heart of Jesus. Because the, there's, this, there's this notion that it's like, okay, hey, Corey, you just tell us what, what's the blueprint, what's the nuts and bolts, and we'll, we'll kind of whip this thing up. But no, we, we can't just go straight to building this thing. We first need to be built. We need to be built. You see, we need the heart of Christ to rightly see prioritize and minister to our children. And this goes for us as parents, and this goes for us as a church. We need the heart of Christ to rightly see, prioritize, and minister to our children. Otherwise, our best efforts will just eventually whittle down to child care or drudgery. You see, this is a ministry. And it's not this additional extra ministry, it is the gospel ministry targeted to our children. And so, why don't I pray, we'll read the word and see the heart of Jesus for children. Lord, we need your eyes. God, and at the end of the day, we, we need your heart desperately. Lord, we need to be changed God, I, I need to be changed. Lord, I testify to your grace and your, your goodness and your sovereignty and, and changing me in preparation to preach this sermon. Lord, give us your heart. 
I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We need the heart of Christ to rightly see, prioritize, and minister to our children. So Matthew 19, verse 13, the Lord Jesus is on a journey, and he's, he's heading towards Jerusalem, right? He's, he's, he's heading towards the cross, and as he's going, he's teaching from town to town. And so he's, he's kind of doing this thing, speaking about the kingdom, and some people come, and it says, then children were brought to him, verse 13, children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. We need the heart of Jesus to minister to our children. And, and the reason I say that is because there's some misconceptions and some, and some poor understanding around children in this text that the Lord Jesus confronts in a very matter-of-fact way. And, and honestly, as a parent, <clears throat> the Lord had to freshly break into my heart. Just, I mean, last night, it's, it's 10 o'clock. And I'm, I'm looking over this and I'm, I'm trying to, to be efficient with my words and the Lord just broke in. In a, in, a, in a powerful, fresh way, and it was under conviction. Because the reality was, is that I had a view, uh, I, so my wife was sick, so it was pretty much dad on four yesterday. And man, I was just recounting the day, and the Lord was just, <laughs> it was like a highlight reel, or maybe a fail uh, reel, in ways in which, my heart was not the heart of Jesus towards my children. So in that moment, I was just like, had to repent, right? And I have to turn from my sin and acknowledge my failures and ask the Lord for forgiveness and restoration and his empowerment for today. To be able to see my children rightly, to be able to prioritize them rightly, to be able to minister to them rightly because of the heart of Jesus. So that's where I am this morning, by his grace. But in this situation that Jesus is, is speaking and people, parents come up to bring their children before the Lord. And this was a, a, a fairly common practice. There's a potential that they didn't even necessarily understand exactly who Jesus was. Because if there was a rabbi or a teacher around, there was a, a kind of a cultural understanding that parents would, would bring their children to that teacher and ask for a blessing. And so we see that, uh, that it was bothersome to the disciples as they are, from their perspective, they have a role as disciples, as ones who are following the rabbi, the teacher. They have a kind of an unofficial role of ensuring that the rabbi is uh, not deterred, that he's not distracted. So from their perspective, there's a notion and understanding that, that they kind of need to shield him. And, and by, by the, the, the beauty and the power of Jesus when he witnesses it, Mark tells us that in the, this account that he was indignant. He was angry. Why? So what, what is it about the heart of Jesus? What is it about his heart? 
for children. And so these are three observations. And the first one is that Jesus saw children and he had compassion. As the parents are are schlepping him in, the disciples just automatically kind of angry face like me, like default to this. Hey, they are a barrier to the work getting done. And the Lord Jesus sees them and he has compassion. And I just think about even, even in his ministry when he walked into town and he looked and he saw them and he had compassion on the, on the crowd because they were like sheep without a shepherd. All the more, the most helpless of the sheep without a shepherd, the children. See, in, in this culture and society, children were not highly valued. As a matter of fact, at this day and age, in Jesus' day and age, the pagan cultures, so like outside of Judaism, uh, children were essentially disposable. If, if it was inconvenient or it, there was just any number, if there just wasn't enough food or resource. Now, in, within Judaism, that wasn't quite the case, but there was still this uh, there was kind of this understanding that children are just kind of to, to, to kind of be, you know, in the background, right? Seen, not heard. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, we need order, okay, parents? Don't, don't get me wrong here. But he saw and he had compassion. He took note. We, we see throughout the scriptures, and I, I, I'm not going to read all of them, but we see throughout the scriptures that the Lord Jesus often took note of the children, he took note and, and he, would, he would observe them and he would speak to them. Just prior to this chapter in, in Matthew 18, he speaks about uh, the children. And he holds the child up as an illustration. That if you want to come into my kingdom, like you must be like one of these. You see, he saw them. He took compassion. He understood that and, 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 and quite honestly, he was demonstrating the way his kingdom operates, and that is that he is there for the least of these. He held out our children as this illustration, kind of this childlike faith, like you must have faith like a child. Now, what he's not saying, the primary teaching point when Jesus says that, okay, is that within his kingdom, he receives the humble and he rejects the prideful, okay? And that, that childlike faith or that, that childlike desperation is the heart that you and I must achieve, that we must take on in order to go to Jesus. That's the only basis in which he'll receive us. That's the primary teaching truth of these interactions, but it, you can't help but note the Lord Jesus and his attention and his often drawing to the children. You see, Jesus saw and had compassion, and, the, and for us, the takeaway is that we would see our children as Jesus does, valuable in need of care and ministry. I think sometimes children's church or ministry, uh, especially in a church like ours where I feel like we've got like a one-to-one ratio, maybe a two-to-one ratio, children to adults, it can become such what feels like a barrier. Like, man, if we just didn't have so many kids, but you know what? I, got, I have dear saints, I know dear saints in churches that aren't as young and vibrant, and man, they just are begging and chomping to be a church full of babies, to hear, like, to a crying baby would just fill their hearts. 
May we see our children, as Jesus says, valuable and in need of care and ministry. As parents, and that was where the Lord convicted me, like seeing them with compassion, not why are you bucking the system? May we see them as Jesus does. Secondly, Jesus prioritized time for children. So we see that, that as they're coming, the disciples immediately begin to rebuke the parents. Hey, get out of here. Like, you need to get. We don't have time for this. We're on a journey. We're on a mission for the kingdom of God. And the Lord Jesus rebukes, according to the Gospel of Mark. And he says, bring the children. Let them come. You see, he prioritizes time for children. He defies the disciples. And in this moment, this is a teaching moment for his little children, the disciples, in which he is communicating that we do not, that, that, that there isn't some kind of like uh, varsity ministry time and then like JV varsity time. But like this is the kingdom of God time. And when, when children come, they want to come to me, they come. He prioritizes them. He prioritizes them. See, their view of children was that they were a bother to Jesus getting his journey completed. And he looked at them as people who need to receive the kingdom. So as uh, I just encourage you, if <clears throat> as parents, man, efficiency in parenting, it, I mean, it, it, it's a joke. Amen? It's a joke. What is efficiency in parenting? And often we can raise up the idol of efficiency in parenting and then pin it on the inefficiency of our little children who have sinful hearts, who have lots of needs, who are looking to do anything and everything but the one thing that you ask them to do. Man, efficiency goes out the window. And so as parents, may we prioritize our children with a gospel priority in our homes and church here at Point. That we wouldn't look and go, oh, man, they need me to volunteer. Or I need, they need me to cover again. Or, you know, I've kind of, I've done this. I've been here. I'm kind of beyond that. Missy, stop calling me. Let's prioritize our children and the third observation is that Jesus ministered to the children. So he saw them and had compassion. He, he, he prioritized them, time with them, and then he ministered to them. See, he laid hands. He, he, he rebukes the disciples like, boys, y'all are missing the boat. Get in line. Children, come to me. And it tells us that he laid hands on them. That this was, this was not some political stunt for a photo op, right? This was the king of kings knelt down ministering to the least of these. Get that. Like the God who spoke all things into existence has laid hands on these children. That he's ministering the good news of the kingdom to these children. 
He's demonstrating to the parents that their offspring, their their little rascals of children are valuable in the kingdom of God because they can be humble and receive. Family, think about, just think about the the notion of your children. If they're early in, in life, okay, it is flabbergasting. Like we tell them stories from the Bible that would blow your minds and defy science and, and logic. And those kids are just like, yeah, well, that's what it says, right? <laughs> and you're like, uh, yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, moving on. So Jesus saw that. He calls us to it. We must leverage that season of their life. To give them a gospel foundation. Right? He ministered. May we take up the gospel ministry of rooting and grounding our children in the gospel of Jesus at an early age. Man, he saw them, he prioritized them, and he ministered to them. Praise Jesus for his love for the least of these. So now, the question is, Are we going to allow the heart of Jesus for children begin to shape our heart towards children? Listen listen to this phenomenal quote. I mean, like it it was like I called J.C. Ryle myself and asked him for a quote. But listen to this phenomenal quote. he's, He's referencing Matthew 19. He says, speaking to the church, Let us draw encouragement from these verses to attempt great things for the religious instruction of our children. Let us begin from their very earliest years to deal with them as having souls to be lost or saved. And let us strive to bring them to Christ. Let us make them acquainted with the, with the Bible as soon as they can understand anything. Let us pray with them. Let's pray for them. Let's teach them to pray for themselves. Hear this. The seed sown in infancy is often found after many days. So the the seed sown in infancy, like those littles, you know, family. Let me tell you how my family devotionals go. They're a train wreck. They're an absolute train wreck. And I mean, I've stripped it down. Like I took it from like a seminary course, you know, to like a Bible study to a discipleship group. And now it's just like, man, we're trying to read a verse without somebody having a meltdown, right? Still a train wreck. But that seed that is sown in infancy often takes root in early days. Let's not neglect the discipleship of our children. Parents, I know life is its survival. I know, I understand. It is survival. But let's allow our heart to be shaped by the heart of Jesus. That in the fray, in the chaos, in the inefficiency, in the midst of attempting to, Jesus is trying to establish his kingdom. No big deal. In the midst of that, he takes time to kneel and lay hands on children. In the midst of our life, in the fray of it all, let's be sure that we're prioritizing the discipleship of our children. Seed sown in infancy is often found after many days. So, let's get practical, okay? 
This is kind of as we land this plane. Remember our takeaway, our big point. We need the heart of Jesus to rightly see, to rightly prioritize and minister to our children. So what do we do? How, how, how do we do this? And I want to talk to two groups of people. Parents, especially dads, and the church. So what's this look like? So what's our training program? At Point Church, how do we begin to take, uh, and, and I would not say, we, we don't have, a, our program's not at zero. We, we have youth discipleship happening uh, every other week that is mirroring the discipleship of adults. Now, Josh, praise God for Josh and the other volunteers and parents. Uh, they're doing fun things with them. But you know what? The priority is learning to pursue Jesus because time is short. And our program must be more influential and more powerful than that of the world, right? And we, and we, have, we have some things in place for our, our younger kids, but like what's this going to look like for us as a church? How, how do we take this uh, discipleship um, machine of, of training up our children unto the Lord, how do we take it to the next level in, in width and breadth? I'd say it's twofold. It's twofold. And it's parents in the church. Parents, God has called and commissioned you to the, be the primary disciple makers of your children. Okay? That, like, that's, I mean, this, there's no, I mean, that's not a controversial statement. We know that. We see it from Genesis to be fruitful and multiply. That certainly was to biologically bear uh, children and lots of them so that they would have children. But there is a covenantal tone there in which, hey, you are made in my image. You are uh, in fellowship with me that when you bear children, you will bear children who are also in relationship with me. You, their children, and that goes all the way into Deuteronomy. I mean, like this is language that is scattered throughout the scriptures in which the parents' primary responsibility is discipling their kids. Deuteronomy 6 says this, And these words that I have commanded you, this is the law of God, I have commanded you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Right? and Because it, it's just peaceful and quiet when you sit in your house with children. Um, and and you, shall, you, you shall do it when you walk by the way. As you're snatching them out of death's door in the street, you, you teach them and instruct them. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, teach them what I have commanded you. Parents, this is our call. Our children are not our own. We are stewards of God's children. They are in our home for a short time in their life. We are their primary influence. We are their primary model of what, how, what life is to be like. We, in our priorities, show them what their priorities should be. We must take up the mantle of intentionally. And so I just ask parents in the room, have you been shaped by the heart of Jesus? To disciple, to like that, that becomes one of your primary operating lenses towards your children. And, and I, if, you're, if the answer is, well, not really, or sometimes, here's the glorious good news of the gospel. Okay, right? 
we acknowledge it. We see where maybe we're falling short, where we've gotten off course. We repent. We turn to the Lord and say, Lord, I, like we've, we've missed the boat over this last month or this last week or maybe over these first six years. But like we're going to walk. We're going to teach him. We're going to train him today. Amen? Holy Spirit, empower me. But dads, I want to talk to you because, see, here's the thing. Uh, according to Ephesians, as, as Paul's building out the kind of the family structure, and we see the husband is at the, at, at, the, at the head of this structure. I mean, he is over the family, right? That he is primarily the one who should be leading out. Now, what that does not mean is, for one, that moms have no part because, let me tell you, uh, praise God for godly moms. Amen. But dad, like you, you might work crazy hours. That's, that is the Lord's provision in your life. But be leading as you can. Hey, this is, we're going to prioritize word in the, as a family twice a week, three times a week. We're going to prioritize, as, though I'm dog tired on Sundays, we're going to prioritize being at, fe- at gathering when it'd be a lot easier to stay home, right? Dad can set that tone. And, and I'm going to tell you something, that it will be a breath of fresh air to your wife when the husband comes and kind of is the one who's driving that bus. And so my encouragement to you dads is, hey, let's be the pace setters. Let's lead men. Let's be leading men in our family, discipling our children. And guys, listen, you might be feeling the weight of failure or inadequacy or shame in this moment, just like I was last night. And here's the glorious good news of the gospel. We can repent of that stuff and we can go to the good Lord in his mercy and his grace and say, would you please enable me today to lead my wife and children to Jesus, right? Nobody gets to leave here downtrodden and discouraged because of the good news of Jesus. Proverbs tells us, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart it. One of my prayers for your children is that they would not go to the right or to the left, but they would walk in the path of the Lord. Ephesians, Paul tells us in chapter 6, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, which is very easy to do as a dad. I'm just, from, I've heard, okay? It's very easy to just kind of stir the pot and kind of assert your authority out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, bam, you've provoked them, and they're angry, and you're all upset. He says, don't provoke them to anger or wrath, but bring them up in the, disciple, in, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Go read the Proverbs in which it, it, it heeds children to listen to the instruction of their parents, of their dad and their mom. But parents, let's be sure that we're giving them that instruction. And so here's the beauty of our, of our uh, uh, Point Kids discipleship ministry is that Missy, uh, she feels strongly and, and the pastors feel strongly about partnering with parents, okay? This is not like we can't do it all on our own. I mean, we see your kids once a week, maybe twice a week. But we do want to partner, we want to resource, we want to equip, we want to provide training, we want to give you things that will, that will feel supportive as you seek to lead your kids to Jesus. Has your heart been shaped by the heart of Christ to see and minister to your children? And so church, corporately, listen to this, Psalm uh, 78. This is the, the community of God speaking of all that God has done. It says, we will not hide them from their children. 
But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord in his might and the wonders that he's done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. That the next generation might know them, that the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandment forever. Family, when, when you're here for a child dedication service, right, there's a moment in which whatever pastor's leading that, he speaks to the audience. He says, hey, church, do you vow, do you covet, do you raise your hand that you will uphold this family who's dedicating themselves to the Lord to raise their kids up? Will you support them? Will you have their back? And the church says, yes, of course. Here's the next step. How are we practically participating in doing that? My encouragement as as we seek to expand our Point Kids ministry on Sundays, the targeted stuff that we do on Sundays, we need all hands on deck. We need folks. We need extra hands. Not all of them necessarily need to be teaching hands, but we need loving hands. We need people that have a heart for Jesus that will go, hey, this is important that I take a Sunday out of my week, out of my, out of my month, where I need the word, I want to be washing the word, but I'm going to give it to other children. Because, see, the community of God vows in Psalm 78 that they will tell the next generation in order that they should set their hope in God. So, church, has your heart been shaped by the heart of Jesus, that you are in a place where you are going to take up this mantle. And you know what's beautiful about this? this? We're talking about the targeted discipleship stuff that happens on Sundays. But my kids need you in our missional community. They, they need to be around your life. They need to be around your older kids. They need to be around uh, uh, an older, older generations that have that can tolerate them a little more like a grandma and a grandpa than, you know, tapped out mom and dad, right? Like, we, like, my kids need you. Your kids need me. Let's, let's make this a family ordeal. Amen? So, in 2024, as parents and as the Point Church family, let's be committed to making disciples of our children. Worship team, you guys can come up. As we close, <clears throat> there is a very practical next step, okay? So Missy Murray uh, will be at the check-in table in the lobby, okay? Uh, if you are feeling prompted, maybe you've been meaning to get on there, this is the opportunity to go to her and say, Missy, let me know, okay? Because here's the thing. As we're building out our older kids' ministry, we still have a nursery ministry that we can't completely rob the volunteers of, right? So what, what I've told her to do is, hey, let's gather names. We're doing this on faith. I don't have, I, I had one extra name, and it wasn't even somebody I sought out. They came to me and said, hey, I, I, I got taken off. I need to be back on. Praise the Lord. But right now, we need to gather volunteers, all right? And this is, remember, this is not for child care. This is for discipleship of our children, right? So Missy's going to be back there. She's going to be gathering names. You're also, 
because I'm technologically savvy, you'll be getting a text message somewhere around 1140. If you're on our text thread. Uh, and it just it's a volunteer form. And there's an option for you to be able to, to, to check, hey, I want to serve our kids. All right? So those are two ways, very practical next steps. But I want us to close in prayer. But family, I am, we cannot afford to be anything but dependent on the Lord and passionate to give the gospel to our children. Amen? So let's rally like a bunch of moms and dads and uncles and cousins to uphold our parents in the room and to uphold and, 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 and uh, fill our, our ministry on Sundays that we can give the gospel to them. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, would you do it? God, I'm praying that you protect our children. Lord, I, I read your high priestly prayer from John 17, and I, just, I read it thinking about our children, that, that, that God has entrusted them with you, Lord, and that you want to protect them, God, and, and you, you've called them and you've claimed them, God, and that you will do such wonderful things as they abide in you. And so, God, would you please save our children? Lord, there's many they have yet to profess Jesus. We have several that have professed. We're going to baptize several children next week that have, have called on Jesus as their king. But Lord, there's so many more that, that need it. And God, there's so much equipping and training so that, so that we can disciple them better than the world. So would you please empower us as a church to take up this call and this responsibility? And would you lead and guide us? And I pray you provide. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you'd like to learn more about how you can be a part of what God is doing here at Point, connect with us at www.pointchurch.live. Thank you.